Good morning. Uh, so great to be with you guys, as uh, Pastor Jim said. A uh, longtime friend of Calvary here, uh, not just with Pastor Jim, but with your other previous staff members and current staff members here. So I've been around here for a little bit, hanging out with and getting to know you guys, and it, it is a real honor and privilege to get to share our story uh, in our life with you guys this morning. Um, I want to introduce uh, my family to you. My wife Nancy is here, and these are our kids. This is our son Levi, sticking his tongue out with a tie on. Our daughter Jade and Jude, who just turned one years old. A little bit older picture, i got to update that. Um, they, my, grand, my mom is actually in town, and they were not feeling so well, so we had a free babysitter at home. So it's kind of nice. It was a lot easier to get out of the house this morning without three little ones. So, uh, but it, it is great to be here with you this morning. And for this morning's message, I want to jump right into it. And we're going to go to a, a verse that many of you have probably heard before. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. If you've been around church, if you've been around the Bible for a while, you've probably heard this one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Very simple, very straightforward. It says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain about what we do not see. I said maybe many of us have heard this many times, but I want to say it again. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain about what we do not see. It's quite a statement, isn't it? It's quite a statement this, the, that we can have this confident hope that something is going to happen. This assurance that that thing inside of you that you know God has placed there, even though it seems impossible, that will happen. You can have this assurance, this confidence that it will do that. And so I wonder, what, what, would it, what would our lives look like if we approached every day with such assurance? What would it look like if we had such confidence every single day? What if the ideas, the dreams, the goals that somehow we knew were from God, that God planted in our hearts, what if we had a confidence that somehow, some way, they were going to happen? Or maybe I should turn the question around and make it a little more personal. What would you do if you truly believed God was with you? What would you do if you truly believed God was with you? What would you do? And now I know many of you, right away, your mind starts going to the reasons why you can't do it. You're going, oh, if I didn't have so much responsibility, if I didn't have so much debt I was carrying, if money was not an issue, if my, my current circumstance wasn't there, we start making excuses, don't we? We start thinking, oh, if I was younger, if I could hit the reset button, if I, if I could do it all over, then I would dream and say I could do whatever God wanted me to do. And I get that. I understand that. Because to be honest and truth with you, that's how I was when I was younger. I had like this crazy faith, this crazy trust that I believed that God was with me and crazy enough to believe that he wanted to use me in my life. And I felt that he wanted to fulfill some things through my life. And so, coming from a family of five, um, growing up in church, maybe like some of you, maybe like some kids here in youth group, growing up in youth group, I felt a call to ministry. And uh, in a family of five, there's no such thing as a college fund. 
right? There's no such thing as a college fund, but I knew that God was calling me in the ministry, and I took one bold step of, of going, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with it. I'm going to trust you with this calling, and he provided a way for me to go to school, paying my tuition the entire time, which was amazing. And then there I am in school, studying, paying attention, doing my work, and I get distracted. How many have ever been distracted? I was distracted by a blonde-haired girl. Um, and this blonde-haired girl caught my attention very much. And, uh, you know, at school I was becoming the close friend, getting to know each other, doing the Christian way of dating, becoming good friends. And then I felt like, okay, what would I do if I believe God is with me? I would tell her how I feel. So I go and I tell her how I feel about my feelings for her. And somehow in that friendship building time, I fell into the, the friend zone. How many people have been in the friend zone? Not a good place to be, because she says that line of, no, I don't want to ruin our friendship. How many guys have gotten that line before? I don't want to ruin our friendship, right? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not really looking for a friend. I'm looking for something more than a friend. I've got enough friends. I'm, I'm wanting something more here. Um, so I did what anybody would do, call it crazy love, call it crazy faith. I asked her again. She said no. I asked her again. She said no. Probably in our time of, of ministry school, I probably asked her about seven times, and uh, the answer every time was no. And so here we are, graduation day, I had never dated her, never kissed her, never held her hand, and I was like, okay, God, that's weird. What was up with that? I thought you were with me. And um, so I, I leave from school, and I go, okay, God, what would I do if I truly believed you were with me? And I, I knew that God was calling me to, to serve those in need. And God had opened the doors, and I was invited to work with some missionaries that were starting a new children's home in Kingston, Jamaica. And it was an awesome opportunity at this, the City of Refuge Children's Home. And so I, I apply there, I get going there, and then you remember that girl that was in Bible school? Well, she happened to apply to be a missionary also, an organization with 2,500 missionaries at the time. And they sent her to Kingston, Jamaica. And so somehow, along the way, in the blue mountains of Jamaica, she stopped caring about our friendship, because now she was willing to date me. And uh, so there, there in, in Jamaica, she fell in love with me. I was already in love with her. But we got engaged, and uh, through that, we, we, we ended up in central Illinois as college and adult pastors, and having a great time there. And I could look at my life at this time and go, man, God, you have fulfilled the dreams of my heart. You have been faithful to me. And here we are having a great time in ministry, but that haunting question came up again. And it is no longer, what would I do? It was now as a couple, we were asking, what would we do if we truly believed God was with us? And so we knew that God was calling us to care yet again for orphans. And so we stepped out in faith, just kind of trusting, and God led us to make plans and preparations to go to Mozambique, Africa. And we spent a bit of time raising funds. We spoke at this church, and that's when our relationship first started with Calvary here. And uh, from there, during that time, our, our first son, Levi, was born. And uh, then we went from there. We went to Portugal to learn Portuguese for a year. It was an amazing opportunity. And so building all this time, and then finally, after all this time, all this preparation, we land in Mozambique, Africa, ready to do the work that God has, has put before us and um, here, here's the, then there's a picture of our family when we just shortly arrived there in Mozambique. And uh, yes, our kids were very little, and everybody looked at us as we got off the plane and was like, this is your stop? This is where you're getting off? You sure? 
You know, those are some, some little kids to be carrying off to Africa with you. But um, it, it was amazing opportunities there. We got, we got to be part of uh, preaching and teaching and starting a men's ministry in multiple churches, completing the building of a Bible school, and, and starting this orphan project that we were working on. And, and being like good missionaries, we were constantly learning culture, constantly learning language, and, and we'd make our mistakes with, you know, the times and the numbers you'd mix up a whole lot and when you're learning another language. And, you know, I, I talked to this one pastor, and he says, uh, I knew his wife was going to have a baby soon. So I said, oh, your wife is due in, I said, two years instead of two months. And his quick response was, she is not an elephant. <laughs> and... Uh, Many of you didn't know that, that an elephant is pregnant for two years. And um, so other mix-up at times, and um, there's a word in Portuguese, or two words, inverno is winter, inferno is hell. And so people would ask me, so what do you miss most about Chicago? And I said, I miss, you know, it's hot all the time in Africa, so I missed winter, but meaning to say winter, I said, I miss hell. And they were like, really? You miss hell? And like, some of you are like, yes, winter is hell. Um, <laughs> you're right on there. So, you know, having all these mix-ups, all these changes, and, and constantly learning culture, and, and having our victories, and having our challenges there in Mozambique, it, it's a difficult thing to, to kind of learn that whole entire adjustment. And somewhere along the way, we started to see with our son Levi that he was having uh, some, some developmental delays. In fact, he, he had stopped speaking at a point, and we kind of thought this was common, you know? First he was hearing English, then he was hearing us speak to him in Portuguese, then he was hearing us, then he was hearing African dialects, and then there's culture shock that kids go through, and we kept on writing it off and writing it off that these things are just happening. But then it got to the point that we couldn't ignore it anymore, and we started seeing doctors and started seeing specialists, and then it led to the point that we had to go all the way to Cape Town, South Africa and see a pediatric neurologist. And there in Cape Town, South Africa, millions of miles away from home, the doctor tells us that our son has autism. And we're advised by doctors, by colleagues, by leaders, that we need to come home to give our son every advantage that he needs. And clearly, the, the choice is obvious of what you do. But here we were, chasing the dream that God had placed in our heart, making all this time, all this preparation to get there. And then we get this word of autism. Don't ever Google that word when you're far away from home. <laughs> Don't ever use Google for any diagnosis. It's a terrible place to get information. <laughs> But here we were, millions and millions, I, just, just so far away from home, and then it was like three weeks later, we find ourselves back in the Chicago suburbs. Feeling like a bit of a failure, feeling like I had disappointed pastors and churches that had supported us, prayed for us, and sent us out there. Our entire life changed at that point. And I don't know about you, but I'm imagining in a room this size with this many people, some of you have been there. Some of you have been there that maybe you are chasing a dream, a goal, a desire, a career, whatever it was that you were chasing in some, a relationship, 
And somewhere along the way of you chasing that thing that you so believe that God was with you, that you so believe that this is what you're meant to do, and along the way, the bottom falls out. The dream, the wish, the goal, the desire, whatever it was, it had to take a back seat because maybe life happened. Maybe you, you received a terrifying diagnosis. Maybe somebody close to you had passed away unexpectedly. And it just changed things. Maybe your, your job had to let you go. You still haven't been able to find that job to take its place. Maybe your dreams, your desires to have your own family have not been achieved. And maybe your dreams, your desires to have a family came crashing down the day that you had to sign the divorce papers. It came the day that you went and saw the doctor and having a child is not possible for you. Or it could be that, that you're single and not that single is a bad thing, but it's just not where you expected you would be at this point in your life. And so when those things happen, when life happens, when the carpet gets pulled out from under us, when the bottom falls out from whatever we're doing, and that question comes up again of what would you do if you truly believed God was with you, you're a little bit more hesitant, aren't you? You're a little bit more hesitant to jump on that and answer that, aren't you? The question more becomes like, what do you do when it feels like God is not with you? What do you do when it feels like God's not with you? So there's, a, there's another verse in the Bible. I'm just picking out famous popular verses today just to, to kind of help us work through this. There's a verse in, in Romans, Romans 8, 28. And it's probably one that you guys have heard before. If you've ever experienced anything unexpected, people might have quoted it to you. Others have quoted it. You might have quoted it to others. And, and, and the first part of the verse that people like a lot, and they know that part and they memorize that part, they don't always want to finish it. It says this right here. It says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. Many people stop there. Have you heard that? We know God works all things for the good. That's the part that everybody likes to quote. We don't always like to finish the sentence there. Has anybody quoted that to you when you've gone through a hard time? Have you quoted it to people in a hospital room, in a funeral home? It's this thing that kind of comes out of our mouth, and it's true, it's in God's word. But I kind of say sometimes we don't always have to have all the answers. Sometimes when somebody's going through a hard time, you can just be with them. You don't have to say the things that sometimes, as if you've been a Christian for a long time, just kind of fall out of our mouth. Sometimes it's all right with just being present with someone. But look at this. I think this verse is so powerful. If you really look at it, it says, All things, all things, every single thing that makes you who you are, all things, all of your hardships, all of your difficulties, all of your victories, all of your achievements, not just the bad things, not just the good things, all things shape you. All things. So this is what it's saying. All things work together for the good. 
All these things that happen in our life, they mutually contribute to our good. God, our Savior, who loves us so much, he takes our afflictions, he takes our lost dreams, our goals, our desires that we want to achieve in this world, and when they don't happen or when they do happen, he teaches us the truth about our frailty. He teaches us to be transparent before him. He teaches us to be transparent before others because we can't hide anymore. Most importantly, God uses them to lead us to lead into him for support, to trust him. Because at the end of the day, that's all we have. I tell you, like if you're going through a hard time, through a difficult time where it feels like you're asking, where is God? Why is God not here? You really have, there's really only two ways that you can respond when life unexpectancies happen. You can say, God, why would you allow this to happen? I can't believe that you would set me up and let me fail. And you can blame God and you can mad at God and you can walk away. Or you can go, God, I don't understand this, but where else can I turn? You are the only place I can turn. You are the only one that I can trust, that I can run to when everything around me is shaking. So God uses all things for those who love him. He takes our failures, our hurts, our pains, and produces a heart that has been touched by God. And that, that's good. That is good when a heart and a life has been touched by God through the things that we've gone through. You see, there are things in our life that on the surface, it can just seem as that it's just setback after setback. You think you're going to be at this point, and it's a setback, and it's a setback, and a setback. I don't know why God would ha- allow this to happen, why God gave us a dream, something in our heart, a desire, and we just can't seem to reach it. And it feels like our life has been turned upside down. We were going in one direction, and now it's completely turned upside down. And it feels as though God has abandoned us, forgotten about us, and it seems impossible to see beyond your current circumstance. And it feels like setback after setback. But what if we stepped back and we paused and we looked at the situation and we started to see it as a setup? What if we started to see our setbacks as a setup? What if we paused for a moment and said, God, I never saw this coming. I didn't know this was going to happen, but I have to believe that you're big enough, you're sovereign enough, that you saw this coming. And you know what goes on beyond this. Have we ever stop and think that God might be positioning you, might be positioning me for something that we never would have seen if we weren't in our current circumstances? Of this thing that seemed like a setback, that he was actually setting us up for something bigger, better, greater than we would have ever been able to set up on ourselves, by ourselves? See, I've thought a lot about unexpectancies and changes that happen in our life over these last few years. And it really comes down to this, is that we need to see that all of life is connected. All of life is connected. And how we respond when the unexpectancy happens, what determines the story that your life is going to tell? It determines what story your life is going to tell. See, that's another thing. We, we don't often see our life as telling a story that you're telling a story by the way that you live, by the way that you respond. So often we don't see that when we hit a difficult circumstance, a difficult situation, we're given the opportunity to write the next chapter in our life. 
all of life is connected. You see, we have this problem as humans. It's called focalism. Focalism. It's where we tend to assume that our feelings are driven by a single event in current focus and not the complexity of events that we experience. Let me say that again. Focalism is where we tend to assume that our feelings are driven by a single event in current focus and not the complexity of events we experience. So we can't see past our current situation, our current problem, or we're going along and we hit a dip in the road, a bump in the road, and we can't see how God can fix this. Maybe you can't see past that broken relationship. Maybe you can't see past what your family has done for you, done to you. Maybe you can't see past your current job situation. But maybe God is setting you up for something through all that. You see, I want to be one because I see that my life and my story is still being told. I want to be one that responds well in good circumstances and bad circumstances. I want to be one that trusts God even when it feels like he's nowhere around. Even when he feels like I don't have the answers to the whys this happened. And I don't have the answers to the why things happen in your life. But this is what I do know. I do know that our God is good. I know that he's there even when we don't feel him. I know that he can be trusted. I know that he's not forgotten about us. I know that he cares about your current situation. And I know that God cares about your story. And some of you need to hear that. God cares about your story. So maybe the question for you today is, what story are you telling? What story are you telling? You may be at a new chapter, a new place in your life that you have the opportunity to write the next chapter of your life. And how you respond determines what your story is going to be. And see, I might not know you, but I know this about every single one of us in this room. We want to have a good story to tell. We want to have a good story to tell. We want to be able to sit down with our kids one day, with our grandkids, and we want to be able to tell our story. And we don't want to have to skip past the chapter, two chapters, three chapters, because of how we responded when life happened. You want a good story to tell. I want a good story to tell. My story is still being written. Yet we had to return home from the mission field, and it felt so like a failure and like a missionary coming home. But I tell you that God has redeemed it and showed us so many other great things that he was actually using it as a set up. And now I no longer see myself as a missionary that had to come home. But I see myself as a missionary that had an exchange of fields. I moved from one field to another field. And I've seen that God, I've learned just a little bit about God of his heart for his children. I've seen what a father will do for his son. I've had new depth and dimension to my relationship with God. My eyes have been opened to other people who have experienced unexpectancies, who have had difficulties, when they've had things that were unforeseen happen in their lives. And I've also seen God help our son Levi in amazing, incredible ways. God's hand has been on his life. And in these last three years that we've been home, it's just been amazing progress. Just the, the school year, he, he mainstreamed in the kindergarten class, has a, has a help of an aide, and we're seeing great things. We still have some other challenges and some things we're working through, but we've seen 
God took three years ago a boy that was not saying a word to using huge vocabulary words, loving his brothers and sister, and into cars, Pixar's cars like crazy. <laughs> That's his favorite thing. And so I've, I've seen that through all this, that God has produced something inside of us. And he's, he's put this heart inside of us now of to plant a new church. And see, God has used our story to connect us with so many people in our community. Because as I said, we're meeting people that are also having unexpectancies, whether it's with their own kids, developmental delays, or other situations, and they're drawn to that because we're transparent and we're real, and they see it, and they see like, they've complimented my wife so many times and said, you have such a peace. Life around you can be shaking, and you have such a peace. The fact is that many people in our world, in our communities, are going through difficult hard stuff, and they don't have the peace of Jesus. They don't have the hope that Jesus brings to their life. And so God has placed in our heart to start a new church that's going to introduce them to Jesus so they can know this peace. They can know this hope that only he brings. So we are starting River City Church. River City Church is, as Pastor Jim said, our our target area is the the Tri-Cities, Batavia, Geneva, St. Charles, All of those towns are built right along the Fox River. And we want to be a church that is refreshing. That the whole, because only the Holy Spirit can refresh people's lives. When they hear the word of God spoken, and they're refreshed. And they want to be, we want to be a place that is relational. That people can come and relationships can be cultivated, as we heard already this morning. We want to be a place that's relevant. That people can come and they can take what they've heard and apply it to their life that week. And some amazing things have happened as we have stepped out in trusting God with this. I think some pictures have been going by here. (coughs) We have found this amazing auditorium to launch our church into. It's called the Batavia Fine Arts Center. It is incredibly beautiful, most beautiful venue in our town. Amazing place that's going to have, as you see, plenty of seats, stage, projector, all this kind of stuff. Beautiful place, and the rent is paid for for the entire first year. So God is working and doing some awesome things. We've been able to uh, purchase this trailer right here, and our church is River City Church, and that water splash was already on that trailer. So that's pretty amazing. And uh, inside this, because we've got to go do portable setup as a, as a new church starting, you're, you start up portable. And then inside this trailer are all these boxes that you saw the first to put all of our nursery equipment and other equipment that we need to bring in there and set up each week. As you see, those boxes are still empty. We still need to buy the equipment to put in there. Um, but God has been doing some amazing things. He's, he's building a team of people that many people I didn't even know six months ago. And they have the same heart and desire. They have talents, abilities, skills that I don't have that complement us well. It's incredible the people that he is building around us. And um, have about a, a team of 35 to 40 adults. I can't even count all the kids. And uh, we're launching on January 13th, 2013, 97 days away from today. So we have a lot of work to do to get ready for it. But, and then another awesome thing is our community. I feel like our community is just ready for a new church. They're so open and excited even hearing about things. Uh, a few weeks ago, well, now it's about a month ago now, was Labor Day weekend. Our town of Batavia does a Labor Day block party. And we went, and I met with the mayor, and I met with some other people in the town and said, we want to be a church that just serves you guys. We're not going to go and create our own thing. We want to come and, and compliment what you guys are doing and, and come alongside you. And so they do this Batavia block party where it's like a, 
it's like a taste of Batavia, and they have bands playing, and they have other performance things. Well, I've gone in the past, and I haven't had anything for kids. And so we came, and we brought our kids' activities to add to it. And I think we've got a short video to, to kind of show just the huge impact before we even started our church that this team has ha- had been able to have there. He's able to... church in Batavia since we moved here almost four years ago. A long, long time ago, we lived in New York, and when we were there, we were involved with our a church plant that has grown, and we missed the church so much, and we've been looking for a local community place to plug in and get involved and serve and be part of the community. Yeah, and, and there was stuff, like I said, there was stuff in North Aurora, there was stuff in Geneva, there was stuff in St. Charles. But it was, it's like, and it, it, we, we weren't feeling plugged in here. It was like, no, there's, there's got to be something for Batavia. And, and it, all the ministries and small groups and everything else were, were in those separate towns, and that's great. But it was having something that's, like, here in our community. Our community that's yeah. really what, you know, we wanted to be a part of. All right, guys, well, here we are, uh, almost at the end of the block party. It has been a huge success so far. Can't tell you how many people have come up and said, I see these shirts everywhere. I see these shirts everywhere. It's so awesome. And just people saying that they've been looking for a new church. They're excited about a new church coming to this area. And again, they're just kind of like shocked of what all of these snow cones and bounce houses are free. And, and everyone is uh, so much so that the town is thinking about keeping the event here every single year so we can have the kids activity. Volunteers, you guys did amazing. We had more people step up than even needed, which was awesome. It gave us time to meet people, mingle. And it's just been fun. It doesn't even feel like work. So thank you guys so much for your dedication. Thank you for your hard work. Great days are ahead. So excited. So we have had God's favor on us as we have seen that God has a thing that seemed like a setback was actually a setup. That these things that are unprecedented of what God is doing to start this new church, a spirit-led, life-giving church in the Batavia, Geneva area. But I want to close by asking you guys this. The question that I started out at the very beginning, what would you do if you truly believed God was with you? What would you do? And for some of you, that question makes you very, very uncomfortable because you know right away what that is that God's asking you to do. And you've been hiding from it, and you're scared. God's saying, I'm with you. He's with you. He's put those dreams and those desires in your heart. He wants you to do it. And yes, life might have changed. Things might have come about differently. But there's things in your heart that God has placed there. And then others, this is kind of hits, hits, hits your heart in a different way because if you're honest, 
because of life, because of stuff that's happened, there's been parts of your heart that you've not trusted God with. You've trusted him with a portion, but you're like saying, no, this hurt, this pain, whatever happened here, this is mine. And God's saying, would you trust me with that today? That part that you've held so close, God's saying, will you trust me with that? Will you trust me to heal that? Will you trust me to redeem that, to turn that around for something good? That's what he's asking. For the others, it's trusting him for the very first time. It's putting your faith in him and saying, God, I might not understand everything about you and who you are, but I have to trust that you're a good God and know who you are. For others, and it's going to hit us all different. For others, it's getting a renewed vision for our life. It's been a while since you've dreamed. God wants to renew a vision for your life. God is calling us to trust him because he is a good God that cares for us and sees what's coming when we don't see it coming. So one more time, what would you do if you truly believed God was with you? I want that to stick in your head. I don't want you to forget that. What would you do if you truly believed God was with you? If a group of people this size lived out life like that, Lamont would be different forever. This church would be a dangerous place, but it'd be a really fun place. (laughs) If people were chasing after their dreams and believing that God is with them. So let me pray for you as we close. God, I thank you so much for every single person in this room. And God, I don't know each one of their stories, but you know their stories. You know their, their, their victories, their failures, their achievements, their dreams, their goals, their desires. And God, I just ask that you would take all these things that have happened in their life, and maybe even things that are going to happen that they don't even see coming that could happen this week, that could happen this month. And God, I ask that you would use all of those things to contribute to their good. Lord, that through whatever we go through, Lord, that we would not shut our hearts off to you. But instead, Lord, we'd let you form us and shape us and mold us into the people that you've called us to be. So God, I ask that you'd have your way in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.